Welcome back, everyone. This is episode nine of Town Hall. I'm here, as always, with my esteemed uh, co-host, Mayor Steve Shul. Uh, today, we are going to take a look back uh, at 2018 here in Durham and try and cover some uh, broader issues and just give some context. Uh, the State of the City address uh, for this year will be February 18th. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, ahead of that, we would uh, just like to kind of recap what's happened in Durham. Uh, every year, it seems like it's more and more that's going on uh, in the city when it comes to uh, infrastructure, uh, development, education, sports, you name it. Uh, so uh, we'll try and keep it, it short, but we know that's probably not the case. Um, so we'll kind of break it up into the, the different topics and give people a chance to digest them one by one. Uh, I have my list here, uh, Steve, and I, I gave you a little uh, sort of precursor yeah. before we mm -hmm. started. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got safety, mm -hmm. uh, equity, mm -hmm. housing, and infrastructure. Uh, do you have a place that you'd like to start, or do you want me uh, to pull a name out of a hat? Uh, I'll start with safety. How's that? Okay. Since you said it first, and it's, I think uh, there's a, a lot to say. Sure. Um, so well, let me ask you this yeah. before you jump in. Yeah, go for it. How, uh, if you were to um, assess safety in Durham last year, um, what what grade would you give it, or kind of how would mm -hmm. you, um, yeah, how, how would you assess it overall yeah, right. for 2018? Well, so um, what I would say is that there are two very uh, different realities. So one reality is if you're a person who is the victim of a gunshot wound, mm -hmm. or if you're a person who's been robbed at gunpoint, or if you're someone in your neighborhood has been shot at, uh, you know, anytime somebody is wounded or shot, it, it rips a hole not just in them, but in, in their, their family, their community, their neighborhood, our mm -hmm. whole city. Mm -hmm. And so, that's a terrible thing, and it happens way too much in Durham. I don't have the figures yet for 2018, but in 2017, there were 240 people in Durham who were shot with a gun. And every one of those bullet holes was, you know, a terrible tragedy. Um, 24 of the people died, but the rest were, you know, very damaged. So that's one thing. On the other hand, there's the kind of, when you look at the big picture, uh, we made a lot of progress. We had a you know, a really good year in terms of public safety in 2018. Um, gun crimes, meaning uh, any crime committed with a gun at all, a, you know, a holdup, a, a an assault or anything, were down by 20% from 2017. That's a huge number. Mm -hmm. I doubt if there are hardly any other cities in this country that had that kind of decrease in gun crime last year. And so that's something that we can be really proud of. Uh, it, took a lot of people. It's not just the police, it's the community. You know, yeah, what do you think um, attributes to that, that drop? Yeah, I think there are a lot of good things. I think one of the things is good policing. We mm -hmm. have a great chief. We have, really, we, we have done a lot to improve the, uh, the, 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 uh, the quality of our police department. We pay better than we used to, so our officers are, you know, we're getting a lot more people applying to be officers in Durham. We have large classes of really well-qualified young officers, which is great. Uh, we've diversified the force, which is also really important. We continue to work on that. We give, uh, we give a, a take-home police car to every patrol officer who lives here in Durham. And so that's an incentive to be here, and it also helps make neighborhoods safer. We've done a lot of things to improve the quality of the force. So there's a lot of good policing that goes on. I think that's one thing. Do you um, think that's coming from the the top down from the chief that change in behavior because I could see um, someone making the case that um, you know putting more money into policing may not be the solution for solving certain issues around yeah um, crime and inequity in some of our neighborhoods so do you think that uh, on top of um, you know being able to recruit better officers yeah um, are we able to measure that in a in a more meaningful more equitable way mm -hmm. kind of what mm -hmm. it means to be a, 
a good officer mm -hmm. in the Durham police system? Yeah, great questions. Um, I would definitely say that you're right that putting, let's just put it this way, good policing can only be part of the strategy. Yeah. Uh, we have to do the kind of policing that does two things at once. It effectively fight violent, fights violent crime, as we were able to do this year, as our, our numbers show, which is great. I mean, to have that kind of reduction is amazing. And I, we, we won't have it this year. You can't do it two years in a row, you know, but it's great. But the other thing that we've been able to do at the same time, which I think really shows where we are trying to go with the Durham Police Department, and this gets to your question, is we, a lot of our successful, we've had a lot of successful reforms that have made a big difference. So let me describe those. And these are the kinds of police reforms that uh, work to win the trust of communities, because I think that's the other really critical thing. We're not mm -hmm. going to fight crime effectively unless we have the trust of communities. So, for example, uh, we, we as, as you're aware, we require written consent to search a car now. Uh, this was something that we in the city council did before Chief Davis got here, but she has made it really work. Uh, our, our searches are down from 1,200 a year, a couple of years ago, to 400 a year, which is great. Wow. So what we're doing is we no longer have, basically there are no longer any consent searches. If I wanna, the only searches there are, not, are now are probable cause searches, searches. If I see a gun on your seat, uh, that's a probable cause. But I can't anymore just go to you and say, hey, can I search your car? And you say yes without me getting written consent. Mm -hmm. And that has made a big difference because what's happened was it was turning up a lot of just, you know, people might, their, search, their car got searched and maybe they had, you know, a roach in the ashtray and then this whole cascading kind of criminalization took place. And so one of the other things that's happened is we've reduced the arrest for uh, marijuana uh, possession uh, by half in the last one year. Uh, from 1,200 to 600. Uh, we've, and the, the reason we're doing that is that that's a, the chief has deprioritized that. Uh, and also because we have this misdemeanor diversion court where hundreds of people, not just for marijuana possession, but other small offenses are going there and they don't get a criminal record. Mm. Before there's an arrest, before there's any criminal record, they go there. They might get community service. Um, they might get, um, if they need some, uh, you know, uh, drug counseling or that kind of thing, they can get it. Uh, and so there are a lot of things like that. The chief has introduced community liaison officers into a lot of different communities. Um, we are doing a lot of things uh, to try to win the trust of communities. And, and I think it's working. I really think it's working. Yeah, it's um, kind of been a, uh, a hot topic recently with... Um, Kamala Harris announcing her um, uh, presidential run mm -hmm. and her record um, as attorney general mm -hmm. um, being something that a lot of Democrats are looking at yeah. pretty seriously. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I know that that topic across the country will continue to be um, an issue that comes up. And as different uh, laws around legalization, um, start to take shape um, at the state level throughout this country, um, it seems like more and more people are, are coming around to the idea of building a different strategy around yeah. criminalization, specifically for marijuana, but just in general, how can we really reduce the amount of traffic in our prisons? Yeah. Well, you know Leo, my wife, very well, and she spent her whole year, before there was a word called mass incarceration, before anybody knew that term, you know, her work all her life has been, uh, has been uh, uh, as an advocate uh, and, uh, you know, an educator to try to uh, get the legislature to do things to reduce the prison population. So I've been living with that in my house for a long time. Um, it's, it's critically important. There's mm -hmm. nothing more important. I mean... Last year, we had 700 people come back from state prison to Durham. Um, every, every one of those people, when they came back, uh, was, you know, had a very difficult situation to face, or most all of them. So one of the things we're doing in that regard is we now have, um, we now have a, uh, a couple of, you know, our, our city's innovation team, uh, which is, does amazing work, uh, is doing a couple of things that I think are really important. One is we have a welcome home program. For everybody that's coming back now that we can, uh, we can make contact with in the, in the state's prison system, I write them a welcome home letter. 
Mm-hmm. I say, welcome back to Durham. And then with that welcome home letter comes a package of things. A cell phone, 20 hours of counseling, peer support counseling from someone else who was formerly incarcerated, who's uh, one of our outreach workers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and other kinds of things come in this package to make, just sort of give people a, a leg up when they get back. And so the city is trying to really make it different for people that come here. We're working on transitional jobs, transitional housing, which is hard, but it's really important. And then the other thing that we're doing uh, is we, we have now uh, the city, uh, the, our city council is funding uh, a driver's license restoration and expunction program called DEAR. Okay. Uh, and that program, D-E-A-R, and um, that program is now, we have, we are working with, we've hired attorneys, we're working with our judges and our district attorney, our former district attorney, Roger Eccles, and our new uh, district attorney, Satana DeBerry. Uh, and we have already taken thousands of old charges, had them, uh, had, had uh, that, that were for failure to pay, failure to appear, things that keep people from having driver's licenses. They've now been taken off those records. 46,000 people in Durham do not have a driver's license. They have a revoked driver's license. Mm. So they're either driving without a license or they're not able to drive at all to get to a job. And so this, the DEER program is working really hard at restoring driver's license. So we're going to be able to restore driver's licenses to thousands of people who have some old, uh, some old penalty that they haven't been able to pay. So this mm-hmm. isn't people that uh, choose not to get a license or drive by choice. These are people that for some reason or another in the legal system are not able to get a license. Mainly, they can't pay. They're, they're charged with something. They, they haven't been able to pay it. The charge has gotten old. The penalties have gotten higher and higher. I mean, we're talking about people who, you know, 13, 15-year-old, uh, you know, failure to appear in court, failure to pay for a traffic fine, and it's kept them from having a license. Mm-hmm. And so we're really trying to change that because we have to help those people change the trajectory of their lives. And so many jobs require a car to either get there or to use on the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're doing a lot of work to try to, as I say, uh, build the trust in communities by doing things that really help people. I think that will change our public safety as much as anything we do on the policing side. But they're both important. Uh, we could go on a, about this stuff forever, but uh, if you could give uh, the community sort of one um, actionable coming out of this conversation mm-hmm. about safety mm-hmm. uh, to better uh, improve safety conditions around Durham, uh, what what would you suggest for folks? Well, I think for the for people that want to make a difference. I think there are lots of ways to help out. I'll give you one example. Um, the Religious Coalition for Nonviolent Durham, uh, and it's a wonderful organization, but one of the things that they do is they help build church uh, or other community support groups uh, around individuals who have returned or are returning to Durham from prison. So these are support groups of people who, uh, you know, lots of different churches will form these groups and will work with, with somebody, support them, you know, to help them get housing, to help them get a job, to help them get a car, to help them get all the kinds of things they need. So if someone wants to, wants to help, I know that the Religious Coalition for Nonviolent Durham, for example, will find a way for you to help. Uh, if we need uh, volunteer attorneys in our expunction clinics, where we're getting uh, long, you know, long-standing uh, charges on people's records that you know, people are, have, have really worked to rehabilitate themselves and to get back into society, but they're held back by these charges. We need volunteer attorneys who can come and help with our expunction clinics. We're expunging, we're working to help these people get their records expunged in court uh, who want to, uh, who need a job and want a job and are being held back by those kinds of things. So uh, there are so many ways that people can, uh, that, that people can step up and help out. Great. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get into our next topic. All right, Steve. So for uh, our next topic, we were talking a little bit uh, before we broke about driver's license. Um, so I think that is a great segue for us to move into infrastructure, mm-hmm. um, something that we spent a lot of time on. Uh, last episode was busing and mm-hmm. sort of transportation more largely. <laughs> yeah. um, that seems to be a, a 
another popular topic in Durham with conversations about light rail heating mm -hmm. up, um, but also just as the city is um, both physically changing and sort of demographically changing as well, um, the infrastructure to support those changes um, is, is really important. So uh, again, looking back on last year, kind of how would you assess Durham's um, sort of grade on infrastructure and what should we be looking for going into 2019? Yeah. Uh, well, that's a good question. Most of the infrastructure that wor work that happens in Durham is invisible to people except that you see um, road closed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like right where we Very are now. Very familiar with that yeah. in Durham. <laughs> so like right where we're sitting now at the mothership, if you go one block from here, it's road closed. Yep. Uh, and the reason these roads are closed most of the time is that over last year and the next four years, in a five-year period, we're doing about half a billion dollars in sewer and water repair. That's a lot. Okay. So when you think about infrastructure, uh, it's important to talk about the light rail. It's, in talk, it's important to talk about road, road paving. Yeah. Uh, it's important to talk about building sidewalks. And, but water and sewer is, I mean, it's huge. Yeah. Uh, it's all paid for by your water bill. Okay. So when you pay a water bill, that's what you're paying for. Um, and speaking of water, I think we've got quite yeah, we a got bit a coming bit down right now. We got a little <laughs> bit of rain. It's going to give our and so now then that, that gets into our stormwater right. uh, infrastructure. That's also another big thing. So, but but we are we are replacing hundreds hundred year old pipes all over town, and and re, re uh, renovating and rebuilding water and sewer treatment plants okay. to make it so that our our sewage is not uh, polluting our lakes. Uh, Falls Lake and Jordan Lake. We're spending a lot of money to do that. So this is overdue then, these repairs and this I would reconstruction say, I would say it's systems. not so much overdue as it has to be constant. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's, just, it's just a big job of the city is to keep that. You want it, when you turn on your tap, you're expecting to get all the water you want and you're expecting to be clean and taste good. Mm -hmm. And you don't even think for a single second about that. But 27 million gallons a day come out of people's taps in Durham a day, and we have to have the infrastructure to We're do trying that. Trying to stay hydrated. Trying to stay hydrated. Yeah. Good. Well, it's actually after you play basketball, it goes up a lot because I know. That you, <laughs> it's because uh, I spend too much time in the shower. It's not because I'm <laughs> drinking too much water. Right. And then this rain is really interesting. I mean, especially where we are. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the rain is pouring down outside, and it is rushing into our streams. In this case, into Ellaby Creek. And it is rushing to, through Ellaby Creek, down to Falls Lake, and with it, it's taking all these nutrients that are clogging up Falls Lake and are making and are polluting the water in Falls Lake. And that's happening in streams all over Durham right now. And when you say polluting, what, what is it that... It, um, it, it's to, uh, I wish I was a scientist enough to tell sure. you. Sure, okay. But it's basically, it's taking nutrients. It's mm -hmm. being polluted with nutrients. So... Um, that might sound confusing to the layperson. Well, like, oh, nutrients can't be. Yeah, nutrients a bad are supposed thing, to be something good. Right. Yeah. No, it's 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 uh, it's plants. Right. Uh, but uh, and you know it's soil and these kinds of things that are running off. The and this you know leads to algae blooms and you know the kinds of things that make a lake like Falls Lake, which which is Wally's water supply, or Jordan Lake, you know. Um, uh, uh, eventually undrinkable. You've mm -hmm. got to, you can't be doing that. So one of the things we're doing right here in terms of infrastructure, and this is going to be going on in the next year, but the planning has been going on in the design and we've been voting on it, is, you know where the uh, old Duke Diet and Fitness Center is? Here at the bottom of the hill on Trinity? Duke Towers. Across from Duke Tower. Tower. Yeah, yeah. Right, so that building's come down or coming down. I'm not sure if it's all done yet. I, I imagine that even people that have lived in Durham their entire lives, like myself, had no idea what was going on in that building. Yeah. So that building is now, it used to be Duke Dunton Fitness Center. It's coming down and there's a nine-acre parcel there that the city will be developing a stormwater, uh, a, a basically a large stormwater facility there, but it will also be, it'll also have a lot of great public amenities. It'll be like the, around it will be kind of like a park. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll be able to walk around there and you'll see the, it'll be a beautiful, you know, green space. And uh, there's a trail that runs right by there, of course. And that will be a way to slow down the flow of water 
all the water that comes down of downtown now, almost all of it, and most of it that comes out of the Trinity Park area too, will go down into that stormwater area and be treated. In other words, it'll be slowed down so it doesn't flow real fast mm -hmm. and pollute Falls Lake. So this is a, you know, this is also a large uh, public infrastructure project that is being designed now and will and construction will begin soon. Speaking of, of green space, something that uh, I was looking back through some old photos uh, the other day, and one of the things that came up was the um, sort of courtyard area that used to be, uh, or is where one city center is now. Yeah. Um, and, and that was a park that, uh, you know, a lot of folks walked through. There were events there from time to time. And, um, you know, obviously one city center is now on, on top of that space. And um, there are other sort of examples of this throughout downtown Durham where there used to be green space and now something has been built on it. And what I find is that rarely do you tear down a building to replace it with green space. Once Never. something is developed, you, 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 know, you don't mm -hmm. end up going backwards. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. as we're thinking about stuff like um, you know, parking garages, other infrastructure that is maybe necessary now, but its usefulness could change in the next five to 10 to 20 years, depending on way that technology changes, you know, if we have a lot of self-driving cars and mm -hmm. things like that, we're mm -hmm. take, we have light rail, ideally, mm -hmm. we're taking people out of their cars, you know, those parking garages no longer um, have the same use. And mm -hmm. so how are we able to, in Durham, think about infrastructure, not just for today, but mm -hmm. for 20 years down the line? And are there opportunities to have some of that um, you know, have some reversal where we can bring back some of that green space, you know, plant more trees, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. So green infrastructure is really, really important. Just to be clear about one city center, the only reason that was green, it was not a park, the only reason it was green, it was a building burnt down there. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. So that particular one um, wasn't a park, it was just very temporarily green. Sure. Um, but you're absolutely right in your basic point, which is that we're building and building and building, and green space is essential to our happiness. And, and you know, in the suburbs, there's plenty of it, uh, but downtown, not so much. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, the people that had the foresight to, uh, to create Durham Central Park, mm -hmm. I mean, think about that. If we didn't have Durham Central Park, what an awesome green space that is right near here. Um, we, we have uh, uh, North Durham Park, the, the, uh, the, the uh, field behind um, uh, 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 this, this Durham Central Park School. Right. Yep. So, yeah. you know, the big field back there. Mm -hmm. uh, we ha that's a really great piece of downtown open space. N uh, near the Bulls Park, there's the big open space right near the Aloft Hotel and the DPAC. Mm -hmm. That's privately owned space. That's owned right. by the Goodmans, uh, the Capital Broadcasting. Uh, but they have kept it green, and the city is working with them to continue to keep it green. That's a really important downtown green space as well. Um, and there is a downtown uh, open space master plan. Uh, okay. It's a really great plan. And uh, and what it talks about is where future green space, preserving the green spaces we have, and future green spaces. So, for example, when we two-way the loop, we've talked about that before, so if we, we make the loop two-way, you know where the, where the library now is being beautifully mm -hmm. renovated, um, that's going to be, uh, eventually, uh, the downtown open space calls for a park right in that area, sort of between City Hall and the library. Once those roads are reconfigured, which will take us a few years, we don't have the money for that yet, uh, we, we should have some green space over there. And, uh, uh, and there are other places as well where we need to be doing it. Um, so... Preserving green space and creating green space wherever we can is really important, and it's harder and harder in the urban core. Is there so so the space that you're talking about next to the library that would be a, um, a public a park. endeavor that would be something yeah. the city would be taking uh -huh. on. Yeah. The space that you mentioned in uh, next to Aloft and Deepak, like you said, is a privately owned yeah. mm -hmm. space. So how uh, how can you, or is there a way to incentivize private developers yeah. to consider things like that when doing major renovation projects? Yeah. 
there aren't many other things like that. That mm -hmm. one's pretty unique in downtown. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, our city manager is in, you know, he's talking to um, Capital Broadcasting and they're, you know, they are, they would, they are, they have no plans to build there. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, our, our city manager is, is working with them to, you know, continue to keep that green. So, uh, thinking about sort of the part two, um, what is, how, how is the city evaluating uh, you know, Durham's future as we look at, again, sort of shifts in demographics, where people are living, the technology, and um, how are we able to plan our infrastructure accordingly so that we are being proactive instead of reactive um, in terms of the way that we're developing? The light rail. Mm -hmm. The light rail is so crucial. Um, if we're talking about future infrastructure, and, and the, the light rail is in crunch time. Yeah. Uh, we, have, we are at the point now where we're either going to get the approvals that we need for it and get the final funding in line, or uh, we're not going to be able to do it. And we need to do it. It's really important. Uh, yeah, it seems and, like it's and, been and a topic is, for a long, long time. Yeah, this, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and now we are on the cusp of getting the federal funding, which is $1.25 billion with a B dollars. Uh, but in order to get that, we have to get our part of the job done. We have to get, we have to get our final agreements with the North Carolina Railroad. Uh, Duke has to sign his cooperative agreement. Um, we, we're, in the, we're in a period where we have, and, and the deadlines are now, essentially. And so a lot of good ongoing work is happening. But if you're talking about planning a future for this region that will take into account and guide the growth like we want to, it's, it's all about rail transit. Mm. Um, we are, you know, you think about 147, how it divided Durham. That's the exact opposite of what the light rail will do. The light rail will start at Central on Austin Avenue. I'm familiar with it. I know you are. And uh, it will come, you know, up into downtown. Uh, it will it will reconnect that area that was disconnected mm. by by one by, by one forty seven, and and then it will go from downtown. It will go to Dukey's campus. It will go to West, uh, or, or rather to uh, the hospital between uh, between the VA and, and, and Duke Hospital. It'll go down fifteen five zero one uh, fifty four into UNC Hospital, eighteen miles, nineteen stations, and. And then there will be the connecting line, the commuter rail, which uh, is our next step, which will go to Raleigh. Uh, we wanted to do that first, but Raleigh wasn't ready. I know we've talked about that before. They didn't have any funds for it. Now mm -hmm. they do. Uh, but we want to build on the existing freight lines uh, a commuter rail to Raleigh. So once we have that, that will change and guide how we grow. Uh, the density will arise around the station areas, which it should. Uh, it'll help people to get on this, they'll, they'll be able to live, work around the stations, and they'll be able to, uh, it'll just improve access to jobs for people uh, all throughout the Triangle. And especially for people in Durham, but all those people that don't have licenses we talked about, mm -hmm. these, the, the fare will be the fare of a bus fare, and that will be the light rail fare. And people will be able to get around affordably, uh, and it will change, it will change how we grow. So um, that's the that's the big answer to how we're, thinking ahead, uh, if, you know, we have no choice. Uh, we don't do this. In 15 years, we're going to be the largest region in the country without a rail system. Mm -hmm. We won't be competitive, and we won't have our quality of life that we want. We'll be stuck in traffic for the next 50 years. Our air quality will decline. I mean, all the things that we, that will, you know, that will, all the things that we need to be a, a, a great region and a wonderful city uh, will, will be diminished. Yeah, why well, spent... Uh a little time on 40 last night going to Raleigh for an event. What and, time was it? Uh, right in the thick of things, about 4.30, 5 o'clock, and uh, that's all I could think about is, man, wouldn't it be great to just hop on a train and, and be there in, what is it, 10, 15 minutes? I don't know how fast these things are supposed to go, but um, I, I really do think that's, and I know there are a lot of complications I'm not, Mm -hmm. super well-versed on all the things that it takes to get the light rail, but I just know uh, as someone who has lived in Durham but has done work in Chapel Hill and, and Raleigh that having that sort of connectivity would go a long way in um, 
for way of life, for our education systems, to be able to connect to universities. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, again, it's one of those topics that we could go on and on about. But you're right. It's uh, so important. If there is something that um, for folks who want to um, participate more in the conversation about infrastructure or do more to support things like parks and green spaces or um, you know, bus transit, uh, mm -hmm. participate more in the light rail conversation, uh, what would you suggest that they do? So that's a great question. So there, there are various things people can do. We have the, there are so many, we have city boards, uh, city and county boards that work on these things. So we have the Environmental Affairs Board that makes recommendations to us about all kinds of environmental subjects. And we have our Durham Open Space and Trails Committee, which mm -hmm. works on trails and, and open space, like its name says, to try to preserve more open space uh, and try to uh, get the city to be building and, and maintaining trails. We have the Bicycle and Pedestrian Advisory Committee, the BPAC, and they are, they're a great group that advocates for bicycle uh, and you know bicycle pedestrian facilities, bike lanes, um, and uh, sidewalks, that kind of thing. We have so we have a lot of sort of official groups, but then there are all the kind of adv advocacy groups. I'll give you one example of something you asked earlier. We didn't really talk about. Um, there's a group called Trees Durham. It's mm -hmm. a nonprofit. You can look them up online, and um, they are dedicated to uh, building uh, to uh, planting more trees in Durham. And also to advocating, we're, we're, we need different, <clears throat> and we're working on different policies in Durham when people develop land. I mean, right now, uh, when the average piece of land that's developed in Durham or anywhere loses about 85% of its trees. Mm. And we have pretty weak regulations in Durham in terms of tree buffers, and we can strengthen that. And, and, and uh, so there's work going on there that Trees Durham is advocating for, but they're also doing the hands-on work of gathering volunteers and planting trees in neighborhoods, not only to replace our tree canopy, which is dying, we have a lot of old trees which are, are dying, that were planted 100 years ago, uh, you know, street trees, st trees in the right-of-way and in parks and so forth, but we also have an in, in, in inequitable distribution of the tree canopy, mm. uh, where neighborhoods that were traditionally redlined also have a very, very, um, uh, depleted tree canopy. Uh, and so we need, not only do we need more trees, but we need those trees to be equitably distributed in Durham. And so there are people, you know, finding nonprofits like that, Keep Durham Beautiful is another fantastic nonprofit that does tree planting and cleaning up and, and, you know, work, you know, advocacy around open space. And they're just a great organization. So there's so many, we have so many fantastic nonprofits in Durham that are trying to improve our environment, both through advocacy and also through service. Great. Well, that's, Something that I think I might try and plug myself into. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone's interested in planting some trees one weekend, uh, you can at me on Twitter, at Buddy Ruski, or email me. However, you probably have some way to contact me. Uh, let's, let's do that. Oh, that'd be great. And uh, yeah, Trees Durham. They'll, and Keep Durham Beautiful, they'll, they'll hook you up. All right, we'll be right back. So for topic number three, um, we started to move a little bit in this direction. Uh, I'd love to speak with you about housing. Uh -huh. um, it's something that I know you're very passionate about um, and you have been for some time. Uh, I'll ask you the same question that we talked about with the previous topics. How mm -hmm. would you grade Durham on our, um, our housing uh, infrastructure and housing policies last year and, and what are we moving into in, in 2019? Yeah. Yeah, so you and I have talked about housing many times. Yes. Uh, we have been, to, been out to look at, um, look at land where affordable housing needs to be developed. We've, we've, done, it, we've done a lot. Yeah. Um, and this still remains at the top of Durham's agenda. So I've been mayor for a little over a year, and uh, I, I work on this every day. Why, why is that? What, what is it about housing that you think... Um there's so many things, obviously, that are important to the quality of life in Durham, but what is it about housing that you see having uh, such a big impact overall yeah. with, with the city? Yeah. I'd say that we are in a period of tremendous prosperity in Durham, uh, and that that newfound prosperity, 80% of our people are sharing in it, and 20% of our people are not, mm -hmm. mainly in communities of color. And 
one of the ways in which this manifests itself is through um, the is is through gentrification and the problem of housing affordability, which is growing tremendously in Durham, and it's on the top of everybody's list of concerns, as it should be. I mean, the other, you mentioned. I mean, there are other issues that are as well, but housing and gentrification, its effects are always at the top. And when people talk about housing, is yeah. it uh, specifically home ownership, or is it um, does it include rent, you know, mm-hmm. apartment rent, housing yeah. rent, sort of the, the full gambit of yes. living space? Both. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you think about housing affordability, and you think, can think of it on a spectrum. There are people who are truly homeless, mm-hmm. and the, 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 the uh, city just completed the point-in-time count, and so we'll know pretty soon how many people that is in Durham. But on an average night in Durham, uh, last year you might have had 50 to 70 people outside, sleeping outside, which is too many. Um, and then in, an, in a single year, uh, and then there are people in shelters, of course, mm-hmm. and in a single year, uh, Durham has probably 1,300 people that cycle in and out of homelessness. Uh, some of them are homeless very briefly. They're homeless because they're in a shelter because they, the government had a shutdown and they didn't get a paycheck and they couldn't pay their rent that month, you know, something short term. And then there's some people, including the people that live outside, who are, uh, you know, have addictions or... Uh, you know, post-traumatic stress, you know, they're veterans who, you know, whose lives have been devastated or something. So there's that part of, there's that, that end of the spectrum. And we have a whole lot of work going on uh, in order to change the lives of homeless people in Durham, which I can talk about. But then you go all the way up the spectrum, and then there are people like you. Somebody who, you are, you have a good job, uh, you have a really good new job, um, you're living in the middle class, but still, affording a home in Durham is really hard. Mm-hmm. So you could think about, and in, in between, there are all kinds of, you know, there's all kinds of other people. So what I would say about the year, this last year in Durham, and I'll talk about this a lot in my State of the City speech, a whole lot, in terms of housing is we've done some really good things, but mainly it's been a year of preparation to do some better things. So I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things that we have in Durham that leads to homelessness and a lot of other problems is we have evictions. Right. So 900 people, 900 eviction filings in Durham a month, 500 people evicted in Durham every month. Filings. 500 evicted every month. Wow. 500 evictions every month. So legal aid and a, there's a Duke clinic uh, also that are devoted to trying to change this, giving legal representation because most of the people who are being evicted have no legal representation. Mm-hmm. So the city, with your tax dollars, we're funding two attorneys and a paralegal to work with these eviction clinics to increase our ability to uh, to uh, help people be represented in eviction in eviction hearings. And the people who are represented by attorneys are evicted at a far lower rate than people that have no attorney. So that's one of the things we're doing. Again, kind of you know, at the, when you think about kind of at the lower end of the income spectrum. Sounds like a good use of my tax dollars. I think it is pretty, a good use. Pretty happy about that. It is a good use. And then, you know, there's the Durham Housing Authority. Uh, we've talked many times, you and I, about the Durham Housing Authority, and I think it's really important to keep it on people's radar. Uh, latest count, 4,000 people approximately living in Durham Housing Authority communities. Their average income is $13,000 a year. Many are old, many are disabled. And we have to improve the housing that they're living in and, in, and we also need to help them live in mixed-income communities. If you live in the Durham Housing Authority community and one of them, you're, you know, McDougal Terrace or Cornwallis or... Oldham and Liberty, you are bearing the double burden of poverty. Mm -hmm. Not only are you poor, but everyone around you is poor. So we have to change these communities. We have to help the people continue to live there with the same highly subsidized rent that they're receiving now. And we need to make these mixed income communities, and we can do that. It's just going to be very expensive and very hard, and it's going to take a decade. It's going to take a decade. Are those people living, that that 13,000 a year, is that full-time, are they on, like, or most of them have full-time jobs? Some of them work at Bojangles. Sure. You know, that's, you know, that's not, 40 hours a week at Bojangles at $7 and something an hour is $14,000 a year. Mm -hmm. But some of them just have disability, you know, Social Security disability, or they're very, you know, they're old and all they have is a little bit of Social Security. So uh, there are a lot of, there are a lot of old and disabled people there as well. Um, But there are a lot of people that work jobs. Yeah. And it just don't make anything. Right. And so that's the whole other end of the housing uh, problem in this country is 
we're not going to subsidize our way out of it. We're not going to be able to use your tax dollars to build enough affordable housing so that everybody has a house. People have to have good jobs right. that they can afford housing. Right. And so that's, cru that's crucial. And our city ability to influence that, we have some, and I'm going to be talking about that in our state of the city, but we don't have a lot. We don't have a lot of ability to influence because we live in a big global, in a system of global capital, mm -hmm. and 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 that's driving wages a lot more than anything that we can do. In addition to which, our state legislature doesn't allow us to set a citywide minimum wage. We would love to set us a, a citywide minimum wage, you know, fifteen dollars an hour, yeah. you know, or uh, whatever makes sense. But now the state legislature doesn't even let us do that, mm. and so. Um, but in terms of housing, going back to that, um, we are we have putting a lot of things in place. Uh, we're working on an affordable housing loan fund, which I'll be talking about at the State of the City. Uh, we're, we're working towards, again, the redevelopment of the Durham Housing Authority properties, which will not only serve the people who live there now, but add lots of affordable and market rate housing to downtown. We have the missing middle uh, uh, housing discussion going on, the expanding housing choices that our planning department is bringing us to talk about how to densify in town um, so that more people who want to live in town and and won't have the expense of transportation, which is expensive, uh, will be able to live in town and be able to walk and bike and, 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 and get to work that way. Um, and we have a whole lot of other housing work going on. And uh, I think this year uh, we've had some good successes. Uh, we have got received the tax credit for the 80 unit, uh, 82 units of affordable housing right next to the bus station, mm -hmm. uh, the, the transit station uh, d downtown, uh, which is a wonderful place to have affordable housing for people. It'll be so great. It'll be right there near, near where they can get a bus. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a lot of other affordable housing work going on by our nonprofits. Durham Community Land Trustees has got 54 units that it's redeveloping with the help of the city in East Durham. Uh, CASA is redeveloping lots of units uh, in Durham. Uh, and, and there are other, you know, Habitat, is working with the Durham Housing Authority now to get some land that it can be increasing its building on. So there's a lot of great work going on. We got a lot of great we've got a lot of great work to do. But uh, in the state of the city, I'll be talking in I'll be talking about the big picture of affordable housing and laying out our plan for the next few years. What would you say? This is maybe more of a personal question, but I imagine that it pertains to some other folks. Um, for for people that maybe aren't actively looking to buy a home, maybe they're a little yeah. more transient. Yeah. Um, how, I guess, what, what would you say to them or how would you say that um, that shift in attitude towards ownership in general, not just yeah. housing, but sort uh -huh. of cars and, and the, mm -hmm. the like, mm -hmm. um, how, how are you all thinking about that as a, as a city and, and what should those types of people, maybe myself included, be thinking about yeah. in terms of, Building wealth, because that is a, a big way that yeah. folks have historically built wealth mm -hmm. and, um, you know, particularly folks of color. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. So uh, if home ownership or ownership in general is not something they're thinking about, mm -hmm. um, how is the city considering that? And, and also, what might you say to those types of folks? Yeah. Well, I think there are two things that have happened that have increased people's well, have decreased the people in your generation's ability to buy homes mm -hmm. and also, for some years, interest in it. So one of the things that happened was the crash in 08. Sure. And so, so many people of your generation, I think, saw the housing market go bust and people lose their houses. And so what happened instead was people your age really started renting. Mm -hmm. And uh, and a lot of them still want to because they don't just simply don't want to make that commitment and, and take that risk. I think my generation just has a hard time with commit, committing commitment. to anything. Yeah, yeah maybe so. Maybe so. I'm not an expert in that. In that but Me neither. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the other thing about it is just home ownership in Durham has become really expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, small houses in my neighborhood. I live in, in Watts Hillendale. You know, a, a small house on, on, on Carolina Avenue, a couple thousand square feet, is selling for, you know, $425,000. I mean, the prices have gotten really hot. Mm -hmm. I do think we'll see some softening in the market nationwide in terms of uh, in terms of home prices. I've I've been reading about that, but that'll just reduce the rate of growth of these prices. I don't think it will reduce the price. Um, and 
so for my generation, who, you know, we bought in when houses were cheap in Durham. And we've reaped this incredible windfall through nothing that we did. We just happened to buy the house at the right time when housing demand in Durham was low. So people in my generation, you know, we have a, a lot of uh, the benefit of having a lot of equity in these houses. And, but your generation doesn't, and it's making things very hard. And so I think that that is a national problem. Again, we're not going to solve that here in Durham. We are going to do some things. Um, I, I, again, I, I'm going to talk about, I don't think I want to talk about it now because I want to kind of announce it at the State of the City, but we are going to uh, do some things for, um, uh, to assist home ownership that I'll be talking about then. Uh, but we're, again, that'll be, have to be, anything like that is going to have to be subsidized with tax dollars. We cannot subsidize our way out of it. People have to be making more money. And we have a lot of great jobs in Durham, um, and we need to make sure that our folks can get them, and so that they can uh, they can make the money to be able to mm -hmm. make the down payment on a house. Well, I'll make sure to listen into the uh, the state of the city, and maybe I'll reconsider my uh, my home ownership after all. Your home ownership phobia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to take one more break, uh, and then we'll get into our last topic. All right, for our last topic, uh, I wanted to save this one because even though we um, did say at the top that all of these things that we've covered, safety, housing, infrastructure, uh, sort of bleed into the others, you know, they're all um, interconnected. I felt like equity was one that um, did have more of a sort of umbrella, as you mentioned, um, and, and covers a lot of different things that we've, that we've already talked about um, mm -hmm. But thinking about sort of Durham's ethos as a whole and the way that we approach equity and how that manifests itself throughout the city, how would you, um, you know, what things have you seen over the last year in Durham in, in 2018 and um, maybe ways, things that you, you know, hope that we can improve on in 2019, but then also some things that we can highlight from the past year, because I do feel like often it becomes very doom and gloom about mm -hmm. sort of the state of mm -hmm. this country and, and mm -hmm. our society. So I love to pick some things out that people can, um, you know, hang their hat on, uh, oh, but yeah. then also, you know, be a little critical and think about ways that we can improve. So um, I will concede the floor to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, so w when I think about equity, um, as you said, it's an umbrella. It, everything else we have to be using in, the, in, 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 in a, a racial equity lens, particularly, to look at all of our issues in Durham. And we do that on the city council. We, everything we do, we think about, well, you know, like, we have to think about this. I mean, we talked already about the tree canopy and the inequitable distribution of just mm -hmm. the tree canopy. Uh, we talked about uh, the uh, that Durham Housing Authority that the, the people in Durham Housing Authority are overwhelmingly people of color. Durham has a, a, ch a, a child poverty rate for people of color of 37% child poverty rate, 37%. It's 8% for white people. I mean, the racial inequities in Durham are, are it, it is still you know, such a dominant force in our society and our culture. Mm -hmm. And we, we talked about criminal justice earlier. and. Uh, of those people who are who have their driver's license revoked, they're overwhelmingly people of color. And this is so equity has got to be at the t at the top of our list all the time. Everything we do, we have to be thinking of it that way. And I really think you know my job as mayor, like my job as mayor, what is my job? My job is to work on changing that inequity, and that's what I try to do. Um, and so. I feel like we are, you know, think about sort of symbolically what happened in Durham in the last year. A little bit longer ago than the year, a year ago, the, the statue of the, uh, the Confederate soldier came down and, uh, and then just, heck, a few weeks ago, uh, the chancellor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill decided she was going to remove the base of Silent Sam and Pretty, it appears pretty clearly it will never go back up again at the door to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Um, these are symbolic things, but they're important things. Um, we've had a great uh, committee uh, during the last six months 
uh, to look at what to do with that Confederate monument that came down in front of the courthouse. And uh, I think they've made a, a really, they, they have had a wonderful community conversation. There were 12 people on this committee. And those 12 people, uh, they really ran the gamut. We had a, we were, they were appointed by the, uh, the city county and the county commission. We had a member of the Sons of the Confederate Veterans all the way, you know, to one of the chairs, Charmaine McKissick-Melton. Her family's one of the, you know, real pioneering, pioneering uh, families in Durham that integrated our schools. She's a pretty uh, good professor, too. Oh, have you had Charmaine? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, awesome, yeah. And so th this group of 12 people came to unanimous agreement about what to do with the statue, which is very interesting, I think. And they... What their recommendation is, this is going to the county commissioners, not to us on the city council, but to our county commission, to take the statue in its crumpled form and put it in a room in the old courthouse where no one has to walk by it, so it would be a room away, but that anyone that wanted to come and see it as a kind of historical artifact could do so. Uh, it would be contextualized, the history of how it went up and the history of how it came down would both be there. And I think that that's, that's a great recommendation. But these symbols, these symbolic things have been, I think, really important. But they're not the most important thing. The most important thing is what are we doing every day on housing, on transportation, on right. public safety, on the things that we've, that just you and I have been talking about just now. Um, I'll, one of the things we've done this year and I'm, I'm really proud of is we have started a racial equity uh, commission that has a one-year term. It's being headed by Judge Elaine O'Neill, uh, and who's also now at Central is the, uh, the uh, she has a interim position, big position at Central right now, but she's, Judge O'Neill is, is heading our, our, uh, our racial equity task force. And they're gonna come up during this year with ways in which they think Durham can work to become more racially equitable. Not only what the government can do, but what the community can do. Mm -hmm. So there's that ongoing work. Our new women's council is working on uh, the the uh, the mayor's uh, the mayor's committee is working on how are we going to make things more equitable in Durham for women and we've just started this and it's going now. Our participatory budgeting uh, work we've we've set aside 2.4 million dollars for participatory budgeting. So grassroots participation will decide how to spend that 2.4 million dollars. So there's a whole process around that that people will be able to get involved in and vote on projects that various neighborhoods propose. So that is also something to increase equity in Durham. Um, we have a lot of, I think, you know, one other, you know, uh, aside for our African-American community and the inequities that they face, our immigrant communities, uh, especially uh, our Latinx community is also really faced with a lot of inequities. And so we're, we're, the city government right now, we're in the midst of doing a language access plan so that we're making sure that everything that the city does is accessible to people in Spanish. Um, there, the, the, uh, the, we're doing a lot of other things to kind of welcome and, uh, and, 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 create, uh, and create equity for our Latinx community. So these are things that are all at the top of the list and need to be. We have to keep equity at the very you know, top of mind in everything we do. Uh, so that, that's work that is just, it's ongoing, it's every day and it's everything. Mm -hmm. As the demographics are changing uh, in Durham, I think the last statistic I heard was from uh, Adam Klein. 90 people a day were moving to this area. I don't, know if it, I don't remember if it was Durham specifically or the, the triangle. The 20 triangle. a day to Durham, uh, 90 a day to the triangle. How does that break down demographically? Yeah, it's very uh, interesting. Yeah. In my head, I have a certain idea of, of who those people are um, based on. I bet on you're the, wrong. I would, Let me hear like, who you I think would they like are. to be. Let well, me hear who you think they are. Based on the types of jobs that I, um, that I know are being created here, uh, as much as there is. Um, you know, good work being done around trying to um, position those jobs to be available to wider swath of people. My guess is that a lot of the folks that are moving from out of town to claim those jobs um, tend to be uh, more well-off, middle, middle, upper class, and white. Uh, but. I would I would love okay. to be proven wrong. I, right. That's that's my assumption. So let me tell you about our white. Let me tell you about our in migration and 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 
So for the people who are moving to Raleigh, you're right. But the, the Washington Post about a couple months ago now did a piece on the largest cities in the country, including Durham, we're about the 75th largest city in the country, and they looked at their in-migration. Durham is growing the fourth most per capita of any city in the country. People are pouring in here given our size. Mm -hmm. But here's what's interesting about our in-migration. We're in the top 10 in Asian American, African American, and white. And we're also very high in Latinx in-migration. In we have some of the most, not only are we a very diverse city, we have some of the most diverse in-migration of any city in the country. Maybe the most. And so, um, I don't know about the socioeconomic status of those people. I mean, sure. you talk about the people that are coming in here, you know, being, are they well-off or middle class? I think probably a lot of them are, I'm not sure. But the, but the, but the racial demographic is, I think is really fascinating because I think that our diversity is attracting diversity, which is great. But here's the other thing. I bet when you think of those people, you mostly think of young people. Your age. Yeah. 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 The fastest growing demographic in terms of in-migration is people my age. Mm. I'm 67. They're moving here for to be near family. They're moving here for the weather. They're moving here because the taxes are lower than New Jersey. Uh, they're moving here, did I say kids? Yeah, they have grandkids. Uh, they're moving here for the quality of life. Um, and, you know, it's just... They're it's, not coming for the dance parties at Pinhook every weekend? Uh, they're probably not, but they may be coming for the dance festival. Okay. I'll tell you what else they're coming for. Accessibility to really good health care. Mm. You know, when people get old, they start worrying about that. And we have Duke Hospital. So all those things are really bringing a lot of uh, people who are uh, immigrating to Durham from, uh, you know, other cities, especially uh, in the north, uh, but who are moving here to retire. And uh, that, you know, in, in raw numbers, that's not the largest group, but in percentage of growth, uh, Durham, Durham is getting, one of the interesting things about Durham is the over 65 population, I wish I had this number in front of us, is growing, is going to be an increasing percentage of our population in Durham, as it is in the country, uh, but it's going to greatly uh, increase in the next, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, well, I mean, those people are definitely welcome to the dance parties. I, I don't want it to sound like I, I don't want them there. I would love to have a more uh, diverse group uh, uh, of all kinds, age, race, uh, gender, all that, uh, when I go out every weekend. Uh -huh. So um, please join us. Uh, <laughs> what do you, uh, you did mention some of those things. How much, uh, <clears throat> how much do you think that our um, university system and sort of the, the opportunities that are available now um, to folks coming out of you know, Duke, Central, State, Chapel Hill um, is affecting not only the growth, but sort of the demographic change as well. Because again, my assumption is that based on those opportunities, folks that you know are from New Jersey, from Ohio, that come down to Duke, historically would move back to one of the yeah. more major cities and now mm -hmm. are deciding, uh, you know, there's more opportunity here. There's also more to do here. So maybe I'll stick around for a little bit longer. Yeah, um, I think so. Do I, do I, am I getting warmer? Is that seem No, like I think so. I think, I mean, I, I, I know, I think there are, I, I definitely know people who stay from Duke. I think most people that go to Duke because it is a big national university are going elsewhere for jobs, mm -hmm. for sure. But there is a significant cohort that does stay in this area and in Durham. And I am really struck by the number of central graduates that I'm meeting all the time, which is fantastic. They're, you know, mostly coming from North Carolina because this, of course, is a state school. Right. But a lot of them are coming from other cities and small towns in North Carolina, and they fall in love with Durham, just like everybody who lives here does. Right. And uh, I'm sure you notice it, too. Uh, I see, you know, so many school teachers, you know, have graduated from Central, and, you know, it just, I, I see, I'm meeting people all the time who went to Central. It's just, uh, it's such a positive force in our community, it, not only in itself, but in the graduates that it produces. I mean, it's made an enormous difference, and, you know, look at you. I did Okay. I did okay. Something that I, I think about often, because uh, we still live pretty close to, to yeah. Central, and yeah. um, you know, on the topic of equity, I think about how much can be done in that area. And, and one of the places that we did, I think it was the, the housing episode yeah. for Town Hall, was right, uh, I think what it used to be Few Gardens, if yeah, I'm not Yeah, Fair Place, Fair Place, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, 
need to get all my historical landmarks correct. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, is a, is a huge mm -hmm. swath of land. Yes. I imagine had it been on a different side of town that, you know, it would have been completely filled up by now. Uh, but for whatever reason, it's set. Uh, and, and I don't know the, the total history behind that. I'm sure we got into it in one of the older episodes. If mm -hmm. people can go back and, and mm -hmm. watch that and listen mm -hmm. to it. Um, but what will it take to, to bring more um, opportunity to places like through that strip of Fayetteville Street where there is a, a university anchoring that neighborhood? Um, there are some, some great houses there, some great communities um, you know, in the pockets around Central, there's uh, mm -hmm. Phoenix Square. So how can we um, both incentivize sort of more growth there, um, but then also just think more um, strategically as a community about supporting uh, more growth there as well? Yeah. I mean, I think that, that the Fayetteville Street Quarter is, is, you know, one of my concerns about the Fayetteville Street Quarter is gentrification, mm -hmm. because I think it is going to develop. And the question is, uh, is it, you know, how is it going to develop? And we need to uh, and help people be able to stay in their homes who live there. Uh, and so I think that's, that's an issue that's, that's going to be hard. Um, it always seems to be the case with uh, the, the topic of gentrification is, you know, we want things to develop. We want things to grow and get mm -hmm, better. Mm -hmm. But if it happens in a way that, maybe isn't favorable to the folks that already live there or mm -hmm. happens too quickly and we don't mm -hmm. feel like we have a, mm -hmm. a grasp on it before it's too late, um, then we throw our hands up and we're Well, and, and, our, and, and even if we're not too late, our ability to affect it is not high. Right. Um, if someone owns their home and wants to sell it to someone else, you know, not only can't we stop it, but we shouldn't stop it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not, that's not the role of government. Um, so... The, you know, these are really, these are tough issues, but we can do things to help stabilize neighborhoods, uh, a lot of which we, we've talked about in terms of housing. You and I have talked many times about them. Uh, but uh, I also think that that, that commercial corridor um, is a really important commercial corridor that, you know, at the top of, of Fayetteville Street there. And uh, I think that some good planning has to go on with the merchants there and uh, to try to figure out how to make that really successful for them. Well, it sounds like you were headed in this direction, but uh, if you could um, give our viewers and our listeners um, one thing to, an actionable one thing to do, or one thing to consider uh, around the topic of equity going into 2019, uh, what would it be? Yeah. It's always hard for me to say one. Yeah, um, right. I'll say a few, is that okay? Yeah. So one is, again, we have many boards and commissions in the city that work on these things. Um, our Women's Commission, our, uh, our Racial Equity Task Force, that membership is, is set and it's only running for a year. Uh, but uh, our, our, uh, the, the Mayor's Commission on uh, Hispanic Latino uh, Relations, there, there, are, there are things that we do that people can apply to and participate in. So that's one thing. Um, and then there is the, uh, all the many wonderful and powerful advocacy groups that mm -hmm. we have. You know, the Durham Committee on the Affairs of Black People, uh, you know, Durham for All, the People's Alliance. I mean, these are groups that are working really hard all the time on racial equity. And people can join them and join their committees and task forces and try to figure out how to uh, improve racial equity in our community. I mean, they're... There's so many people working on this all the time. Uh, we have uh, we ha our Beltline Trail uh, mm -hmm. that we have now purchased. We have a big racial equity process around that, uh, that uh, before that gets built, we want to have a real racial equity process so that the people who live near the trail are able to participate in what the trail is going to be like and are also able, you know, and the amenities around it, and are also able to uh, help stabilize their neighborhoods um, because once the trail is there, that increases the value of the land. And so th th we'll need volunteer participation in that. So there's a whole lot of work that people can find their way to in Durham uh, to, uh, to advocate for and participate in uh, 
building a city that is that is racially equitable. It's got to be at the top of our list. Well, I think that's a, a great way to sum up this conversation that we've had. Uh, I, I always feel like any one of the topics that we cover each time, we could spend hours and do often spend yeah. hours in other places in our life talking about these topics. Um, but I'm really glad that we were able to chat and sort of set the table for uh, not only the state of the city, which is again going to be February 18th, uh, but also just thinking about Durham in 2019 and, yeah. and how we can mm -hmm. improve this community that we care so much about. Um, that's always something that people s struggle with but are very um, intensely passionate about. And mm -hmm. so uh, having some context and being able to give some direction to channel that passion into uh, affecting real change, I think, is um, a great thing and, and a small part that we can play. So I'm very grateful mm. for this time that Me we too, have. Me too, Justin. Uh, and the time that we have with our viewers. Thanks again. This has been episode nine of Town Hall. Uh, you can find uh, these episodes on the Clarion Content YouTube channel, uh, on the website as well, at clarioncontentmedia.com. Uh, you can follow along on all of our social channels, at Clarion Content. Um, you can find me on the internet, uh, mostly on Twitter, uh, at Buddy Ruski, uh, B-U-D-D-Y-R-U-S-K-I. Uh, I'm trying to cut back, uh, but if you have something interesting to say, I, I can't help but engage. So please reach out if you have more questions about the show, about Durham, things, topics that you're interested in that we can talk about. Uh, we'd love to get more uh, viewer feedback uh, to kind of drive... Uh, our conversation. So, so please feel free to, to reach out uh, and be sure to stay tuned. Uh, February 18th, where can people watch uh, the uh, State of the City? So, uh, Channel 8. Okay. Will it be on the internet, on YouTube for us millennials? It will be, for sure. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. State of the City for mm -hmm. all to see. Uh, thanks again. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Have a great week. Have a great week. I will say, though, I don't think you guys did nothing to change the value of your house. One of the things you did was make Durham so outstanding that it became such a community that that is part of what changed the value. True. So I'll give our generation credit for helping making Durham cool. <laughs> cool. I don't think the camera was running for that part. I, we, we missed that.